We are given one life, full of billions of small and large decisions, to be somebody, to change, to be kind, to give hope, to become a better person, and to leave a lasting impact on this planet. It is a decision to be made every single day while your heart is still beating. We've made our decision. Absence of clothing. Atheist and science-based apparel and merchandise. Donating 50% of our profits to charity. Look good and feel good, without God. Check us out at absenceofclothing.com and find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest for discount codes and other sweet swag. Speaking of discount codes and sweet swag, why don't you head on over to absenceofclothing.com, type in the promo code EVILTWINS, and you will get 10% off. Not only will you get 10% off, but you're going to do something good for the world. Please give back, people. Hey, Brad. What's up? I know you're really getting into this whole beer thing now, aren't you? A little. Well, Old Town Brewing has done something amazing. What's that? They are the gold medal winners at the Great American Brew Festival in 2015. Wow, that's pretty impressive. They've created a beer called Shanghai IPA. Shanghai? Shanghai. Okay. It refers to the tunnels underneath the uh, Old Town Brewing residence in Old Town Portland. Nice. So take a sip of this bad boy. <sighs> that's pretty damn good. Do you like notes of floral? I like notes of floral. Citrus? It's pretty good. What about grapefruit? Nah. Well, this lightly sweet, heavily hopped beer is the one for you then, minus the grapefruit. Cool. So why don't you go ahead and go over to Old Town Brewing, check out their beer, check out their pizza, check out all the shit they do. The information contained in this podcast is for entertainment use only. Please don't take a single word these two assholes say seriously. I'm Thad. I'm Brad. And we are the Evil Twin Podcast. Well, what's the goal here? To continue making as much money as they can for as long as they can before they get busted. First of all, props to you for knowing about the Septuagint and the Vulgate. Yeah. So I'm beyond third grade? Wait. <laughs> we're, we're saying first year graduate school here. Like, that was, that was impressive. Yeah. Some of the most compelling theories of personal identity rooted essentially in your preferences, your likes, your dislikes, your experiences, your memories. That's, that's essentially who you are. That's all you are. And then the most unexpected to me... But delightful, this emergence of ayahuasca. In understanding the self, or in creating an image of the self, we also create an image of the other or the not-self simultaneously. So we, we create subject and object in the same moment. But really, this teaches us that we create our own environments, that we gravitate toward those things in our environments that please us based on who we are genetically speaking. You know, in yoga, people say namaste, the Sanskrit word for the divine in me honors the divine in you. It's the same concept. When enough of us live from our ruach, from our divine connection, we can't help but repair the world. Welcome to the Evil Twin Podcast. Satan. You're starting to sound a little bit like, <laughs> like, like Grimace yeah. or something. <laughs> a fucking Muppet. Now, Satan I am. Nah, yeah. Yoda is not Satan. Okay. So don't even try to. <laughs> well, we, we know that the Jedi, 
carry a special place in our hearts. So don't try to right. smirch them. Right. Well, didn't was didn't someone recently post something on Twitter about the, the Jedi being Satan. being, being Satanism? Yeah. It's very <laughs> ironic that we're bringing that into it. <laughs> yeah. So welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Guess what we're talking about on this beautiful Easter Sunday? Satan. Satan. It's so funny. Like I've told several people that we're going to be doing this uh-huh. that I know. And every single one of them react the same. Yeah. They're always freaked out. They're like, shocked. Ooh, like, Ugh, yeah, people uh, get sketchy and shocked when you tell them you're going to. skin gonna... crawl when you, when you tell them you're going to talk to like some high priest of Satanism or something. Yeah. Like, ooh, what? Ooh. Be careful. Yeah, you're going to get possessed with some demon. Yeah. I mean, I am fascinated um, at what Satanism is all about. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I have a feeling that it's probably nothing like what um, most of us assume it is like you know basically like child <clears throat> sacrifice goat blood bat biting the heads off bats maybe yeah. those types of things happen in a ceremony that's satanism <laughs> i don't think any of it does i think it's probably a little bit more mellow than that but. yeah and i think also it's not it's not it's like saying um baptist yeah. what, are, what are baptists like there's different kinds of Baptists, yeah. and I think there's different branches of of Satanism and stuff. And I, what we're talking about specifically is called Levian Satanism. Okay, we're going to be talking to the highest ranking member of the Church of Satan that was started by Anton Levay. Mm, nice. Yeah, it's so funny. I actually probably in 2005 I started getting a little bit fascinated by this just just because not not obviously not because I wanted to join the Church of Satan, but just because that there was a Church of Satan. Yeah, I thought, what the fuck is this? How realistic is this? So I actually looked it up mm-hmm. and started looking at their website and kind of trying to figure out what it was all about. And I came really close to actually joining just so I could have that red card. Yeah. I guess you get like a red card or something. Yeah. I still think that would be cool as fuck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's more of like an atheistic religion. Yeah, and they take on, they use their 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 position as a religion to take on, you know, the the establishment of yeah. religion and and to put up their statues in places where where there's Christian shit that shouldn't be. Yeah, oftentimes when, especially in the United States, when the Christian <clears throat> church tries to commingle itself with the government, yeah, all kinds of groups come out in opposition to that, and the the Church of Satan is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. But the the question is, is it really a church? Do they have like services? Um, what is the Church of Satan? And we're going to be getting yep. into that with Peter Gilmore, who is, um, well, actually, I, I don't have the computer in front of me. Why don't you go ahead and... He's the high priest of the Church of Satan. He has other titles. I think they Magus or Magus or something. I can't remember how they, I don't know how they pronounce it. Okay. Um, but there's different titles that he holds, but he's the high priest of the Church of Satan. He's, wow. He's the leader of the Church of Satan that was started by Anton LaVey. Wow. Could you I mean could could we time a more appropriate day to do the Church of Satan episode than on on Easter Sunday? That's right. We could have brought you the historic Jesus episode. Right. Um we could have done a lot of stuff, but we wanted to make it special. Let me just do a quick um a quick intro. Okay. A formal intro of the guy. Let's do it. Okay, this is from Wikipedia. Nice. Of course. The most trusted source on the internet. <laughs> Peter Howard Gilmore is an American composer, artist, author, and administrator of the Church of Satan. Gilmore graduated from NYU with both a bachelor's and master's degree in music composition. He was appointed high priest of the church in 2001 by Magistra Blanche Barton. I hope I pronounced that right. No offense if I don't. 
Um, within the church, he's known as Magus Peter H. Gilmore, High Priest of the Church of Satan, as representative, um, as a representative of the Church of Satan. Gilmore has been interviewed on numerous television and radio pro programs dealing with the topic of Satanism, including appearances on the History Channel, BBC, the Sci-Fi Channel, Point of Inquiry, and Bob Larson's Christian Radio Show. Hmm. Um, you know, I think there's a lot more to know about him. I'm sure he's a very complex person, yeah. and uh, we're very honored that we get the chance to talk to uh, High Priest Gilmore. Nice. Let's do this. Well, let's see how we're doing this time. That's, now you sound fantastic. That sounds crystal clear. Ah, awesome. <laughs> let's hope it. <laughs> let's hope it lasts. We were thinking maybe Jesus was getting in the way and like blocking the whole thing or something. Oh dear, we have to watch out for that. Or maybe Allah is hip to us. So. There we go. <laughs> you remember that Saudi Arabia has declared all atheists terrorists and punishable by death. <laughs> Least That's interference true. could be the most they could do at this point. Unfortunately, I'm sure that happens on a daily basis over there. <laughs> it's a horrifying thing. Ugh. So speaking of that, um, um, in the Church of Satan, you, do you not actually believe in Satan, or is this just an atheist group, or what's going on? Uh, Satanism is an atheist philosophy. Uh, we use Satan as a symbol, not as a being to worship, though. We consider him a symbol of pride and liberty and individualism, kind of following in the footsteps of a lot of intellectuals and artists over the past uh, thousand or so years. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a pragmatic, uh, skeptical, and materialist position. There's nothing to do with faith or any kind of spirituality. We think that's all an illusion. Um, Anton LaVey called this the world's first carnal religion, uh, because it accepts man as he is, as an animal, not something better or worse. Although man is often a lot worse than the rest of the animals <laughs> on our planet. That's true. And uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we're the ones that are ruining the climate. Uh, so <laughs> that, that's a very big problem. But uh, the other thing about Satanism, too, is that uh, we challenge our members to come up with their own personal hierarchy of values so that they can be responsible for their lives. And that means for both the successes and failures, which often tends to be something off-putting to a lot of folks who always look to blame somebody for whatever problems they're having. In Satanism, you don't have that out. You can't say, you know, the devil made me do it, or, or you know, God is not smiling on me. You can't beg to somebody for help or, or, you know, yell at somebody for problems. It's all in your own head. So we consider it kind of a challenging philosophy for a lot of folks. And uh, it's a niche philosophy. It's not something that we're proselytizing or trying to push on people because we think it's rather a difficult thing for most people to adopt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we got that out of the way up front because, um, w you know, as, as we've been talking to people and saying, you know, we might talk to, um, you know, the high priest of the Church of Satan, people give us weird responses. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just in our personal lives at this. And uh, so we wanted to get that out of the way up front, you know, because we have that understanding of, of your church, but uh, I want to. I wanted to allow you a chance to make that clear. Good. So that was very good. And you guys are, you were theists and of different stripes and both became atheists. Correct. Yes. Okay. Correct. Cool. Yes. We were raised in a sort of a, you would, I wouldn't call it a religious household, but we were made to go to church as kids. And, uh, um, everyone who listens to our podcast knows this about us. But as you know, when we got older, our dad died when we were 18 and, uh, we both kind of went in different weird religious directions. Um, but in our mid twenties, we kind of got our heads on straight and, and, uh, and, uh, came we, back to reality. Yeah. Basically. 
That's a good thing. With me, it was my parents are actually fairly secular. Uh, my mother was uh, technically a Catholic, and my father technically an Episcopalian, but they weren't church going. Uh, since I started reading very early, I kind of taught myself how to read when I was about four. Mm. Uh, they just let me read everything. And uh, so I read, you know, the Bible, and I read, uh, you know, other things, uh, other mythologies, particularly Greek mythology, I thought was really fascinating. Mm. But, but for me, I looked at it all as mythology. I didn't see the Bible as being something that had any truth to it any more than, uh, you know, if you're going to talk about Theseus or Heracles or something. And frankly, the Greek mythology was much more interesting with heroes and monsters and such. So I, I never had any kind of attraction or belief in Christianity. And so when I was eight, I declared myself an atheist because I realized that people were wondering what my position would be on things. I was in school with other kids. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when I was 13, I finally came across the Satanic Bible when I was in a bookstore buying science fiction books. And I saw it on the rack and said, well, I've read all this other religious scripture. Let me see what this has to offer. And I read the book in one sitting and said, well, I guess I'm more than an atheist. I am a Satanist. Wow. So you just found it in a bookstore. I was wondering about that because I had read that you uh, um, read the uh, the Satanic Bible at 13 years old. And I was like, where did he come across at 13 years old? Where did he come across the Satanic Bible? Yeah, well, you know, it was neat. My parents uh, would let me. I lived in upstate New York, uh, and I was really interested in science and biology and astronomy and such. So they would let me take the bus with a friend of mine down to go to the Museum of Natural History, which now you think, good heavens, they're letting 13-year-olds go do that. How dangerous. But it was actually pretty easy. You'd catch the bus. It would go to Port Authority. You'd go to the basement and catch the subway, which stopped right at the museum. You'd get out and do the museum. It was awesome. You could just go to the Hayden Planetarium, see all the dinosaurs. And I was, of course nuts about dinosaurs <laughs> so uh on the way back in the port authority was this thing called the book bar and it was a great bookstore and, and it had a huge selection of things and i was usually buying things by you know, arthur c clark or harlan ellison or isaac asimov and folks like that and there was that satanic bible on that rack and i actually picked it up and looked at it and thought yeah no and and Turn, it left it there, but when I was waiting online to pay for my books, it was the rack was turned just the right way, so it was there in my face, and I said, eh, what the hell, I'll <laughs> read it, and that, that really was like a pivotal change in my yeah, life. Yeah, little did you know. <laughs> <laughs> so do you still have that copy? Yes, I do. Oh, I wow. absolutely do. <laughs> so your background is um, in music, though, right? Yes, uh, I studied music... Uh, Composition, uh, and I sort of minored in conducting and used to help train some of the conducting students. Uh, but uh, yeah, music composition, I did orchestral for my undergraduate and uh, electronic synthesis of all sorts for my graduate work at NYU. So uh, music is my thing in that respect. It's, it's my major art form, although I do draw and paint and do collages, and, and of course I write. So uh, I, I like, I'm a creative person. That's always been my approach to things. Uh, but uh, the classics have been most important to me. Uh, I started to go towards music because uh, when I really started seriously listening to music when I was in uh, like the first year of high school, I could listen to a Mahler symphony, and after twice hearing it, it was in my head. I could remember wow. it. So, and I loved it. It just drove me crazy. I was just eager for more, and I absorbed you know, major Beethoven works and Bruckner and Shostakovich. And, and Shostakovich was alive back then, so it was amazing. Here's new works coming out by this extraordinary Russian composer. But music to me was always the most exciting of arts. And uh, even though I was painting most of the time up to that point, and then I, everybody was going, oh, you're going to be a painter, you're going to be a painter. And because <laughs> I did surrealism 
I would paint that was sort of a combination of Hieronymus Bosch and Salvador Dali. Mm. Uh, and then uh, yeah, w my wife uh, did a horror magazine, which was called Gru, which won the World Fantasy Award. And I used to do illustrations for that. Uh, and then, of course, the music just became my obsession, and I did schooling for that. But little did I know that I would end up uh, <laughs> running the Church of Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so did you ever write any hymns for the Church of Satan through, with your music? Or did you ever think well, about I, I've actually written music that's inspired by satanic ideas, and if you go to my music downloads page, which is on churchofsatan.com, you okay. can see some of the things that I've got there. Um, some of my stuff sounds sort of bombastic, kind of film music-ish, uh, like John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith. Uh, you, uh, there's a one thing I did, I worked with a heavy metal band briefly where uh, I would do sort of classical introductions to their heavy metal songs. And for one set of things, each one is a tribute to a different composer. One is like Bruckner, and one is Strauss, and one is uh, Shostakovich, and so on, and Mahler. And I spoke the texts uh, from the Satanic Bible, the nine Satanic statements, and wrote classical music of wow. my own type as homage to these different composers around that. I still remember playing that for Anton LaVey on one of our meetings. I brought the cassette, and he was pretty impressed. Because <laughs> he was an amazing musician, Anton LaVey. Like, he was self-taught. Uh, he had studied when he was very young, uh, but really, he, he was just really facile. And he could play uh, almost anything on the keyboards. And he used synthesizers to make these kind of self-controlled orchestras, which could either be something like a pit band and some sleazy dive, all the way to sounding like a philharmonic orchestra. Mm -hmm. When my wife and I would come to visit him, he'd often practice more classical stuff so that he could wow us, which he did, because he would do uh, you know, Saint-Saëns Dance Macabre, or he'd play some Wagner or Liszt and... He just really oh. you know, got into the spirit of it. And he'd play these kind of overblown, hyper-romantic versions. And uh, we'd sing with him, too. Like, he would like to do uh, different kinds of um, old popular songs. And so my wife uh, would sing, uh, you know, sort of torch songs with him. And uh, I would sing kind of operetta stuff uh, sometimes. Uh, although I sang the Ode to Joy in, in German from Beethoven's Ninth, and he accompanied me <laughs> once, which was kind of fun. Wow. wow. So how did you go from being a musician and uh, meeting Anton LaVey to becoming the high priest? Well, what happened was that once we met Anton LaVey, my wife and I, and that was, uh, let's see, when was that? Uh, I think 1982 we met him for the first time. Like, we joined, well, I mean, I you know, read the Bible when I was 13, and then in 15 I actually contacted the organization. I wrote to them uh, as a 15-year-old and said, hey, I'm really interested in this, uh, this philosophy resonates with me. And they said, well, we don't really accept people who are, aren't legally adults into the organization, so you're going to have to wait. But, uh, <laughs> you know, which is, of course, a policy we maintain still. It's, it's really, we're not yeah. like religions that are like, get them when they're young and you can't, they never, like, you know, the Jesuits want to do that and all of, all of the other religions want to do that. Uh, but Satanism is like, no, no, we, you have to be a mature adult. You really have to have this being well considered. But they were very polite to me and they sent me some information and said, just keep studying and surely you'll be ready. And uh, when we finally were ready, we joined and were invited to go out and meet Anton LaVey. And my wife and I were both in college. Uh, she was studying English at uh, Fordham and uh, then later NYU. And uh, I was at NYU doing my music. So uh, we kind of waited for a little while until we felt we had accomplished some things academically. We both did very well in school and said, OK, now we're, we've got some accomplishments. We, we're ready to meet this man who has impressed us so much. Yeah. And uh, we went out and met him. And he was just like he is in the book. Uh, you know, his voice that he has in his writing, which is kind of sardonic and funny and earthy, was exactly the person he is and was. Uh, we were so impressed because 
you often can be disappointed by people, of course. You know, yeah. you read their works and you kind of go, well, you know, that seems too good to be true. Or maybe they're really kind of a creep when you meet them. And it was not like that at all. He was so warm and funny and treated us like family. And that began our relationship with him. We'd, we'd go out usually once a year and spend a week or so, uh, sometimes, you know, more often than not staying at his house. So he'd let us stay upstairs. And we'd just spend a lot of time talking about philosophy, watching movies, doing music, just kind of sharing ideas. And we helped to administer the organization pretty quickly. Like I became a spokesperson right away. He was like, you're great. You know, I'd love to have you talk. And it was the satanic panic was happening mm -hmm. at that point, which really got to be a point where, people were spreading the most insane stories about this made-up Satanism as if it was some kind of devil cult that went from kids scrawling graffiti under overpasses to, like, generals and uh, from various countries colluding to, you know, bring Satan's empire into some new world order. It was hilarious <laughs> that people actually believed that, and it was on talk shows almost every other week for yeah. years is astonishing. I think younger people don't even believe it. You, you tell them that, and they, they're like, yeah, sure. But... Uh, <laughs> I have them all on video. <laughs> I have a huge archive of that stuff it, and spent hours of my time like representing Satanism, often sitting next to psychotic people who were claiming that they bred and sacrificed babies in Satan's honor. Mm. Of course, they were usually, they were Christians at that point, you see, and so then, That's then right. they felt, it was, it was okay, you know, now that they accepted Jesus, that they had birthed babies and slaughtered them in the name of Satan. That's so, one of the uh, misunderstandings that people have, right? Like, you guys don't even believe in sacrifice. Exactly. Well, the whole point is only a theist can sacrifice because the theist believes there's some kind of supernatural entity that's going to look favorably on that. Mm -hmm. For us, since, since we're our own gods, we don't believe in any kind of external supernatural entities. There's absolutely no point to it. You guys recently uh, celebrated a 50-year um, anniversary, right? And it got me thinking... It's, like, it's coming up, yeah. Oh, it's coming up, okay. Yeah, it's April so, 30th. You guys have been around for quite a while. Um, what... What was the original intent, do you think, behind founding this as a, a religion? Well, I think with, with Anton LaVey, his idea was that he was unsatisfied with what was going on around him. Uh, he was a smart guy, uh, and uh, he saw there was like this occult explosion happening, that there were people into witchcraft, and uh, Eastern religions were happening. It was the, you know, the turmoil of the 60s. It was really uh, the, the conservatism from post-World War II was being called into question on so many levels. Uh, the God and country thing was, was no longer holding anybody's attention as being the most valid path. But he looked at the occultism and said, well, this is no better than Christianity. It's, it's offering you know, Jesus with breasts where Wicca was concerned half the time. <laughs> and uh, you know, he was, felt that that was just not something that was worthwhile. His background was as a secular Jew. And his ancestors migrated to the United States and were not religious Jews. They weren't practicing. They embraced America and its concepts of separation of church and state. And they became very secular people. So he, he grew up with this very non-God-oriented background. So he felt that the only symbol that really could resist all of this, this belief, you know, even though things were changing, the belief was still skewing towards some kind of deities, that, that Satan was the adversary. It's what it means in Hebrew. So by picking that as the symbol, and, and to stand for opposing all spirituality, which is really kind of the, the major point in the Satanic Bible, early on it states that man invented all of the gods, and that means all of them. And that means all the devils and demons, too. It's a thoroughly atheist text. And funny thing is that, that 
Satanism has always been uh, on the cusp of which is worse about it, that it uses the word Satan or that it's atheist. <laughs> because if you're a devil worshiper, you at least acknowledge God is there usually, and that you're, you're picking the, the, the bad guy in that pantheon. You know, the supervillain against Yahweh is Satan. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, but, but the theists were feeling, well, at least you give us that ground. You know, God's there and you're picking the other guy. But where the Church of Satan came along, it's calling itself a church, but it's saying, you know, no thank you to all deities. And that the, the center of deity is in each Satanist himself or herself. And that was pretty revolutionary at the time and, and shocking to so many people, and they didn't know how to deal with it. I, nowadays, of course, atheism is, is much more widespread and accepted. It isn't considered this, this horrible condemnation as it was at one point, because, of course, if you were an atheist, you were going to be immoral and you couldn't control yourself. You, you must need God to, to tell you not to go run out and rape and murder and pillage. And I, just confidentially, don't you guys feel that when people say that, that you really worry about them? Yeah, because if, if that's what they need to keep them in check, then do you really want to even be in the same room with folks like that? Yeah. I see Ted Cruz, and that, that kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> 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 yeah, I've had these conversations, and, and I've, I've had that exact same thing said to me. You know, like, if, if, if it wasn't for God, you know, wouldn't you go do this and that? And I'm like... No, I fucking wouldn't. If I did, I don't believe in it. And and if if there was a god, I doubt that I would. Well, every it seems like every god needs some sort of scripture, right? Right. So I guess yeah. my question to you is, what is the Satanic Bible? I mean, what what what's the point of that? Well, it was it's meant to be like a basic statement of Satanism, and part of it is very showman like. Anton Lavey worked in carnivals and circuses for a while. And he also worked as a, a photographer and did uh, sort of on-the-scene photography for police departments. Uh, he'd go to accident scenes and, you know, murder scenes and things like that. So he really had a kind of dark view of human nature from that. And he felt that he could dramatically put a book together that could be a, a tipping point, that could be for, for the right people. Again, it's always for the right people mm -hmm. because uh, we tend to think that there are two kinds of people. Anton LaVey didn't really define this right away, but in our conversations... He, he agreed with me in this concept that they're generally, most people are focused outside of themselves. They're looking for an authority figure, either spiritual or political, to give them guidance for what they should do. They, mm -hmm. they can't, they, you know, the other kind of people are inwardly focused, that they make their own horizons, as Nietzsche would say, that you create your values, that you are self-motivated. And I think that type of person is sadly the smaller percentage of our species. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that religion may be useful if it's, if it's not a crazy, you know, jihadist religion. Uh, as Benjamin Franklin thought, religion was actually good to keep some people behaving. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, those people, you might keep them in order because like, maybe they will run off and do crazy things uh, if they don't have that. Uh, I'm, I'm, do, of course, have hopes that our species can evolve past that uh, intellectually, but I, it looks kind of like that we're in the, the great battle of uh, theism versus secularism right now. Yeah, it does but, seem like that. Yeah, but back to the Satanic Bible point, what was uh, he, he looked through uh, some other texts. Um, uh, this guy named Ragnar Redbeard wrote this really kind of incendiary stuff that's, off, that's very individualist, but it's also full of anti-Semitism and kind of crazy political things. So what LeVay did is boiled down the good individualist parts and, and edited them and changed them to make kind of these scathing statements at the beginning of the book that would make you stand up and take notice. They're like, wow, look at that. And then he explained Satanism. He had written the book and published it in 1969. He had founded the church in 66. So he used to give out these sort of pamphlets that explain the basics of the philosophy. 
he expanded on those essays and said, here it is. This is what Satanism is about. And of course, the, the chapter that people were most remarking on was the one titled Satanic Sex. <laughs> uh, and because, again, what was so striking about that was he said all sexuality is fine as long as you indulge in it with another mature person. Uh, you know, there's no coercion going on. You can do what you like. You, you know, fetishism is encouraged. Be an individualist. Enjoy your sexuality or have no sexuality. If you don't, if you're not interested in sexuality, we're not some kind of crazy hedonistic cult that's going to make you go out and have orgies. If, if sex is not your thing, then mazel tov. You don't have to, to go that direction. But but that was, again, something that was, for, for an, an, an organized religion, to have that approach to human sexuality was, was totally groundbreaking. Mm. There were transgendered members from the very beginning of the organization. There are pictures in uh, The Devil's Avenger, which was a biography that was written of Anton LaVey that came out in, I think, 1974. And one of the, the, the ladies in there is, is a transgendered person. And it says right in the caption that, that those people are encouraged and accepted by Satanism, and you know, there were, you know L, the whole LGBTQ XYZ whatever. It's always been fully embraced by the Church of Satan and our philosophy. Wow. So uh, the Satanic Bible set a really good foundation of uh, a way of, of creating a new perspective that people could dip into and either see themselves reflected in it and use it as a tool to enhance their lives, or they might find it's really not to their taste. There's plenty of secular people and atheists who look in it and, and it's too theatrical for them or they don't resonate with the idea of Satan as a, a, an anti-hero who's a stimulating exemplar. They, they have other directions, other aesthetics. So there's an aesthetic component to Satanism, I think, as well. Uh, those of us who kind of like uh, horror movies and things like that immediately can find it fun. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's not something that requires that, too. Uh, I, tend, I live here in the Hudson Valley in a house that looks like the Adams family. It's a nice. Victorian house. It's painted. Is mostly it the black house? No, yep, that wasn't. Oh, well, see, Anton LaVey had his own black house. Yeah. And I, I have one, too. Nice. Uh, mine's, <laughs> mine's bigger. <laughs> but, nice. uh, uh, and mine's on the historical uh, National Register, too, oh, nice. which is kind of fun. Uh, but uh, my wife and I bought it about five years ago, and it was a crack house, and we restored the whole thing. We brought back the original Victorian floor plan and had all of the plaster work redone and all the electricity and I painted it in this kind of wonderful fantasy Victorian approach, kind of inspired by uh, Edgar Allan Poe's Mask of the Red Death wow. and, the, and the Roger Corman movie of the same thing. And I don't know if you know either of those, but a major feature of the, con the story and the film is progressing through these rooms that are each focusing on a particular vibrant color as a whole experience for the, the people participating. And so I've done that here. Each room is, is very vibrantly colored from reds and deep greens. I have a peacock parlor I'm actually working on right now with wow. various peacock colors. But I have a ritual chamber, of course. It's mostly black with a red ceiling. It's, it's, that's in homage to Anton LaVey's original. And it's about the same size as the one he had in the San Francisco place. Mm. So it lives wow. on here, even though his house has been torn down and replaced by some pretty boring condos. <laughs> Do you use your house as a sort of a, a meeting place or a, a place for church activities? Oh, we don't have church activities. That's uh -huh. kind of the interesting thing about our organization. Since it's all about being an individual, everybody in Satanism has a life. They don't need <laughs> the Church of Satan to provide activities for them. I think a lot of people sign up for religions because they're kind of bereft. They don't have friends. They need something to, to occupy their time. Satanists tend to be really productive, creative people for the most part, and they really don't have time to spare. If we had meetings, nobody... He'd probably show up because they'd be too busy doing things. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
well, you, you know, but it's a, it's a home. Uh, you know, I, I screen movies. I sort of discuss them. I'm writing a book about film and satanic philosophy. So part of my working towards getting that whole book together is I'll screen movies regularly and discuss the principles with the people that attend. I also do music uh, appreciation lectures. I have people over and play them music that relates. I'll maybe do sort of a, the Italian influence. Uh, you go from Mendelssohn to Respighi and to the modern composer wow. John Frilliano. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I do all of these kind of things as sort of education, and I find them just intellectually exciting and fun. So, uh, you know, we have people over. My wife is a cocktailian. We have extraordinary cocktail parties. Uh, so You live it up, basically, is what <laughs> yeah, you're saying. Yeah, well, see, the whole point of Satanism, and Anton LaVey sort of said it humorously, is, is evil, they like to name us, is live spelled backwards. Nice. So we like to live. Like, the whole point of Satanism is vital existence. That's one of his phrases. And so we enjoy all the things that we enjoy. Life is a party. And uh, we also feel there's no afterlife, so unless you're having a good time and you live as full as you can and, and share it with the people that you cherish, then you're really wasting everything. Can I say amen, or is that inappropriate <laughs> at this point? You could say, hail Satan. <laughs> hail Satan. <laughs> so um, what is the, the um, difference between the uh, Satanic Bible and the Book of Satanic Scriptures that you published in 2007? Well, my book collected essays that I wrote over the years that I had published in uh, my magazine, The Black Flame. Now, The Black Flame came out in 1988, I think, or no, earlier than that. I can't remember the exact date, but it was the first newsstand satanic magazine. And we had all different kinds of members of the Church of Satan writing for it. We had art, and we did movie reviews, we did music reviews, and I wrote essays of satanic philosophy. And it went out through tower distribution. You could get it. And anywhere on the planet. It was great. We'd do thousands of copies and they'd go all over the world. Uh, and uh, I collected my essays from that and had a bunch of other ones that I'd written that I hadn't published yet. And I had several rituals that I'd put together because we believe as Satanists that ritual is something that people do. It's part of our species. But it doesn't have to be wasted paying obeisance or begging to some mythical deity. Ritual can be used for psychologically worthwhile activity. Uh, it can purge you of emotions that are, are, are making you feel bad. A satanic funeral is something that you use to remember the person who passed. What is it that they did? Who did they touch? Uh, that's how you, you have an immortality is in the things that you create and the people that you've moved in your lifetime. So you work those emotions out in a satanic funeral. It's a wonderful way of, of remembering the wonders of the person that has passed. Uh, and if somebody really drives you crazy and you're furious with them, we don't think that anger is, is, a, is a horrible thing that people shouldn't have. Anger is a natural response to injustice. Uh, we accept the full range of human emotions from love to hate, but of course most people live kind of more in the middle. They, they don't live on the edges of love and hate as a constant 24-7 thing. Uh, so if, you, if somebody does something that really arouses your hatred, you can do a ritual to release that. Get it out of your system so it's not corrosive. It doesn't keep you back. Nice. So it's uh, basically psychological, the purpose of our rituals. Okay. Well, can you tell us about some of the actual primary beliefs of the church? The, the basic concepts. I, I mean, we have... Uh, well, what about the nine um, satanic statements? Oh, sure. Can, you, can oh, we sure. go we over can those? Go over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have like nine, nine satanic statements and 11 rules of the earth and then nine satanic sins. And the sins are sometimes fun. Maybe we'll do the sins first. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's start with the juicy people stuff. Like, yes, it's sins. But in Satanism, a sin isn't something that some supernatural entity is forbidding you from doing. 
it's a in Satanism, it's a behavior we want to not do. We want to keep these out of our lives. So the first satanic sin is stupidity. And <laughs> we, we don't want to do stupid things. We, we don't want to be stupid. We want to be aware. We want to be educated. Uh, and the thing is, it's worse than ignorance because you can cure ignorance by research and learning and thinking. But uh, don't be a dummy. Don't be stupid. Like, that's, that's our primary thing. Like, nice. If you're satanist, keep that out of your life. Uh, the second one is pretentiousness. And that to us means empty posturing. And for Satanists, we, we really uh, like to pay attention to human nature and how people behave. We like to read people. It comes from Anton LaVey's Carney background because he used to do cold readings for people. You case the marks, you see what they do. You could, you know, if you go back to that old movie Nightmare Alley, which was very influential on him, you see that whole concept being used by fortune tellers and then by a psychologist turns it on the fortune teller. It's really an amazing film noir that if you can catch it, Tyrone Powers in it, an awesome movie. Should be remade, actually. Love Could to be, check that out. Yeah, really good film. But uh, the, the whole point is look at people who are, again, being blowhards or, or full of it, like recognize that and don't do it yourself. Like, don't be a pretentious idiot. Don't don't be you just don't be a blowhard. It's like, mm -hmm. That's something that one could say to a lot of politicians. I think. Yeah, most of them. Yeah, and the third one is solipsism, and by that we don't mean the classical philosophical definition, which is a it's very specific. But what we mean with solipsism is don't project your beliefs and values on other people and expect them to share them. Mm. Because what happens, I think, with a lot of folks, and, and it goes for secularists and religious people, that we look at other people and think, well, they must be operating from our basic premises. And they aren't. <laughs> so for the Satanist to be really aware of how other people are being motivated, you, you can't assume that they're have, sharing your premises. You have to really pay attention to them. And I think today, of course, since we're having such a clash, of rabid theism against everybody else, we can see that uh, those folks are operating on very different premises yeah. from a lot of other people are, and that makes it really obvious. But I think so often, in in when even people discuss things, whether they're trying to share, uh, being activists, even among secularists, everybody you know would like to move things more separation of church and state, uh, more you know, being free to do more things without government intervention, we may not all have the same values because uh, even though as if you start with atheism, that means you don't believe that there is any God, but where do you go from there? How do you evaluate what the human animal is? Are you a protectivist? Are you somebody who thinks that people need to be told to do things for their own good? Or do you, do you let people rise or fall on their own, uh, which is kind of how we do it? So that can be an issue of... of of difference when we deal with other secularists, depending mm -hmm. on what kind of goals we're seeking. So again, solipsism, don't assume that other people have the same premises that you do. Okay. And the, the fourth one is self-deceit. And that would be lying to yourself. Uh, we think that uh, you really need to be aware and be aware of your own strengths and weaknesses, what you can do, what you can't do. And you could challenge yourself, certainly, but uh, if you try to do something that's way beyond your capabilities, then, then don't fool yourself into thinking that that's going to carry through. It's a, it's a basic reference to the basic realism of Satanism. Mm -hmm. that we really want people to, to be grounded, earthy, and not fooling themselves on any level. Uh, okay, the nice. fifth one is, is herd conformity. And, of course, that's the kind of group think that uh, a lot of folks do. It's like, well, they all think that. Why don't you think that? Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm sure that you, you, 
you, everybody sees that. If you go to school as a kid, uh, there's so many people around you all think one way and they sort of challenge you, well, why do you think differently? We all think this way. There's something wrong with that. Mm -hmm. so, so in Statenism, we kind of caution our members to be aware of perhaps going along with things uh, without examining them and making a, a full choice because it can be easy to be swept up in that. It's, it's sort of something our species is prone to. So... Uh, Always be aware of, of making conscious choices based on, on your values and not just simply being swept up in some kind of herd trend or something of that sort. Okay. And the sixth one is lack of perspective. And that, again, goes to our awareness uh, of what's going on around us. Like what's happened before? What's coming back? Uh, what, are, what are people doing? Uh, and where do you fit in? Um, the Satanist who doesn't look at what's going on, again, can... can fool themselves and then go into self-deceit or just their simple ignorance can make it difficult to achieve the things that they want to achieve. So keep wow. an eye on what's going on around you and, and look at history. If you want to make history, you have to be aware of what history has been made. So, <laughs> Well, those so, sound a little bit better than the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, well, we've still got three more. <laughs> okay, I'll, oh yeah, keep I'll, going. I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Um, the seventh is forgetfulness of past orthodoxies and that kind of goes with lack of perspective. What we Satanists notice is that as we watch human societies, sometimes certain values come into play and infect the society for good or ill. And uh, then they come and they change, like things are constantly evolving. But what seems to happen, especially in our consumer society, is that something is often advertised or something is presented as you know new and improved and surprise, here it is for the first time. And we, we want to be aware of, well, wait a minute, that's just the same old thing. You just put it in a different bottle with a new label. This is nothing new. And mm -hmm. it, here's how it played out the last time. Now, has anything changed to warrant doing this again or approaching it? Uh, and if not, then recognize it for what it is, call it what it is, and, and you know, really don't uh, be the one, the em naked emperor running around uh, accepting that. Like, really know what's happening. Um, Two more. The, the eighth is counterproductive pride. Now, in Satanism, we see Satan as a symbol of pride. We go back to Milton, Lucifer, and the idea of, of, of this figure who is not going to bow down to an authority figure. Being proud of oneself and one's achievements and, and one's intellect and all of that, that's a, we consider that a value in Satanism. Pride is a good thing. Uh, but if you take it too far, then you've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. That if you're just so proud of yourself that you, you again push yourself into an area of self-deceit that you don't know really where you stand and what you're doing and you just look like a pompous idiot. So as you can see, these things all kind of tie in together. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all very coherent. Uh, they're not these separate things that, that don't relate to one another. They, they present this whole worldview of being a responsible individual. And so the last thing that we put in is uh, lack of aesthetics. And uh, for, for we Satanists, one of the reasons that we're attracted to the whole thing is the aesthetics, uh, the, the sort of spooky trappings that can be part of it. But that's not the, the limit to the aesthetics in Satanism. Uh, since Anton LaVey was somebody who also painted and drew even from his youth, which is, again, why we hit it off. We both were musicians and artists starting from a young age. Uh, the idea of, of concepts of aesthetics, you know, you look back to you know, Egyptian architecture and then Art Deco, which kind of drew off of that, and all these different aspects of, of, of things that have come in design and architecture throughout history, and clothing styles, like, be aware of those. We, as a Satanist, we think that those all have impact. They have emotional impact on the way people behave. And so understanding that, 
that aesthetics are really a crucial thing for how people behave is uh, something that so few uh, positions of any sort uh, dwell upon. They kind of think, well, you know, whatever's there is there. You have to work with it. Yeah. And we, we Satanists feel mm, having a, an environment that, that stimulates you, that excites you, is truly important for your life. And that goes for your workplace and for your, your town, your, your city, uh, that these, and what you wear. Uh, yeah, I totally what, agree. I mean, if you're walking around with a sweat, just some sweats on, just pay attention to how you feel, how you present yourself, how you walk. And then go ahead and go put a three-piece suit on, custom fit, yeah, like a beautiful exactly. suit. And then, then tell me how that affects your mood, how you present yourself, how you, you know, it definitely oh, yeah. has a huge benefit. Huge True. Effect. And the people around you, too. Mm-hmm. If you walk in in sweats or you walk in in, in the beautiful three-piece suits, uh, who's going to pay attention to you more and, and who's going to listen to what you have to say? Yeah. And I, I like that because it goes back to the carnal thing, you know. Yep. Um, it's, it's very much in line with that. And I find, like... I think me and my brother are relating to this, and we are, are very much in line with, with what you're saying. So what, is, what does one do when they find themselves to be a Satanist um, just by nature? How do, they, how do they take the next step? How do they take the next step? Well, the, you know, the primary step is to you read the, the literature and you go, oh, this uh, is a tool that I can use. I'm reflected in this mirror of this writing. And by having this self-identification, it seems to give a lot of people more confidence to approach all the things that they're doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. So Satanism isn't meant to be something for anybody else but you. If there was nobody in the world except one person who read the literature and decided they were Satanists, that's all you'd need uh, for Satanism to exist and work. Uh, so you apply it. You apply the, the, the philosophy. Mm-hmm. If you want to meet other people who also share that philosophy, uh, then we have online places. We have like a, an unofficial Facebook group where outsiders can deal with people in the organization. We have people are in our hierarchy who represent it and can explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, questions can be asked there. And then when you deal, you become a member, then what's, we promote what our members do. See, the Church of Satan itself doesn't do activities. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it never has and, and it, it doesn't now. Uh, the whole point is to promote the things that our members do. Uh, when you go to our website, churchofsatan.com, you find uh, a news feed that's full of, of people who are doing things uh, like art shows and concerts and uh, books and merchandise that people do, uh, talks that our members are doing. And uh, so it's, it's just all this stuff. Our members do things. That's the whole point, And we promote them. So the organization's only purpose is to educate people about what our philosophy is. Uh, and because of these forums that we have, people deal with each other and often like each other and work on projects together. Uh, but if they do, because the other interesting thing that we, we understand about Satanism is because it's so strictly about individualism, we find a lot of Satanists may rub each other the wrong way. Uh, that uh, it's not this kind of communal thing, it's not a group hug kind of thing, hmm. that Satanism is really a, a basic philosophical foundation, and what you build on top of that could be almost anything, depending on what you are as an individual. And you may not like a lot of other Satanists. We have people <laughs> who join the Church of Satan to support this organization, which keeps the ideas out there for people, other people to see and go, oh, I'm a Satanist, I could use this. It's a great tool for me. Uh, yeah. But uh, they don't have to deal with each other. Uh, we've done some gatherings um, to mark some history. That's, that's, uh, Anton LeBay never did that stuff. He really didn't feel that that was going to be productive. They did a couple of small gatherings, and he wasn't all that thrilled with how people kind of clashed with each other. Hmm. Uh, what we did back in uh, 
2006 was the there was the 6606 scare where mm-hmm. there was like a worldwide panic. <laughs> we went to go see The Omen that night. Yeah. Oh, the great choice. That's, <laughs> those are fun movies. Um, but when, for that, um, we worked with the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles, which is a prominent atheist center, to put on a satanic high mass, which basically mocked the fear that people had for this number because. <laughs> The only reason we use 666 at all is because people are afraid of it, and we think it's hilarious that they're scared by that. It has no mystical significance whatsoever, except people are dolts and, and go, ah, it's 666. Uh, but uh, we kind of spread to the world at that point uh, this message that don't be afraid of this. It's, it's uh, superstition, and superstition is not a good thing. Yeah. So, so we did a, you know, a whole event for that. We did a performance. We filmed a very classic satanic ritual, as Anton LaVey had described them in the Satanic Bible. I kind of wove it together to be all these things together. That's why it was a high mass. And we had a lot of fun. We had a live musician, Lustmord, who does this sort of dark ambient music, was live doing our score for it. And it was uh, lit like a Mario Bava horror film. It was sort of Hammer meets Mario Bava and dark ambient. It was loads of fun. And the set was designed after the movie The Black Cat, which uh, has Bela Lugosi and Boris Karloff in it. Uh-huh. If, if You should see that film if you yeah. haven't. It's really fun because, uh, of course, Karloff and Lugosi, you can't go wrong. Uh, but the idea is that Boris Karloff is a brilliant architect who does these art deco stuff. And uh, he's also the high priest of a satanic group. And everybody that shows up for, for his rituals are all dressed up to the nines. And this house is awesome. It's ultra modern for the period. And Bell Lugosi is an old rival of his who shows up and finds what nefarious doings are going on there. But we, the, the ritual chamber used all these kind of crystal shapes and angles. So we employed those in our set for the 666 event. And you can see it on our website. If you've searched there for that, it comes up and you can watch the video of what we did then. We kind of loosely filmed it. Uh, we had to rehearse it all week and then uh, we had shot some of the rehearsals and shot the performance. It wasn't really planned to be a film film, but we figured, all right, we could knock it together into something that people could relive it from. Uh, but um, and then uh, we did an event uh, in the Hellfire Caves in England, uh, which is uh, where Francis Dashwood and the Hellfire Club used to celebrate sort of carnal rites uh, that mocked religion. And Benjamin Franklin, of course, used to go there and have a ball. <laughs> so uh, th- there's these wonderful caves that are tunneled out under the, the, the West Wickham estate. And we threw a banquet and ritual in there that was loads of fun. And we were, you know, where our sort of forebears, both the, the British and American freethinkers, the people who really didn't believe in religion and used ritual to mock these stultifying beliefs and to celebrate carnality. We felt that that was truly a great place to look at back at our ancestors, our intellectual ancestors, and, and celebrate their legacy. Beautiful. And uh, a year ago, uh, well, almost a year ago, in, uh, April 30th, which is Walpurgisnacht, um, we did uh, the beginning of our, f- our, our celebrations for our 50th anniversary. And we gathered in Washington, D.C., and we felt that that was the best place because it's the seat of the United States. And we think the United States is a truly satanic nation uh, because it does promote separation of church and state and all of the values, generally speaking, that, that Satanists support. Nice. Uh, we often call it the United Satanic America, and, and we do need to get the, some of those things out of the uh, pledge and such, all these uh, oh, yeah, God yeah. things people have sort of snuck in. Uh, but, uh, you know, Washington, we felt, was the right place to be for us because it's, it's this wonderful uh, uh, legacy of secularism, and, and uh, we did uh, salon presentations for an afternoon where uh, 
our members explain things that they do and that we have people who are motivational speakers and we have people who are publishers we have people who are uh, ecological activists who actually are doing some major work to uh, deal with uh, issues of world radiation levels and we have another person who is dealing with um, uh, our freedoms uh, that are being encroached on by the government these days. Uh, mm-hmm. So so we have some powerful people who are not so open about their affiliation. Uh, often they're completely uh, underground about it, but it's because they're far more effective in moving the world towards these uh, goals that would make it better for us to be free people and to express ourselves and not worry about repression. So can you tell us about the nine satanic statements? Sure. Um, these are sort of symbolic ideas uh, that kind of give you some basic thoughts about uh, what Satan symbolizes to us. And Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. And of course, that goes to our, our fun, our lifestyle. Enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't <laughs> abstain, indulge. I'll, I'll go through them and I'll go back yeah. to that one. Yeah. Uh, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. That's pretty obvious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Satan, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit which, of course, we pulled in again in the sins, but there you go. Uh, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. <laughs> and, and that, too, comes from the idea that Christianity is always telling you to turn the other cheek and love everybody, and we think that's such nonsense. You, you can't love everybody. Actually, you probably love a very handful of people in your life, and uh, certainly don't give it on people who are doing ill to you. That, that's completely foolish. <laughs> Uh, but at the time, again, this was like a really revolutionary statement with people are, are again, promoting Christianity. And even uh, Eastern spirituality is, is still kind of like, oh, yes, everybody can nice. We should be nice to everybody. And this is like, don't waste your time on people who are ingrates. Like, give up on them. And to follow up on that, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. And for us, we really feel that uh, we try to get justice done. We do it within the social contract. We agree with Hobbes that the social contract is something that we need because we like life to be more than just brutish, nasty, and short. We have civilization. We want to continue civilization. But we believe that, that we need to have law enforcement that can work to that. Uh, and, and we have to work towards not just being sheep and bowing down to people who are abusing us, but stand up for ourselves. Uh, so following that, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Now, uh, responsibility to the responsible is a very important principle because that means people deal with people as they deal with you. We kind of follow a silver rule rather than the golden rule. We deal with other people as we would like them to deal with us. But if they don't deal with us back that way, then we deal with how they've dealt with us. Mm-hmm. So if they're rotten to us and, and do terrible things, then we have to resist that. We have to stand up to that. And you don't just bow down and go, oh, well, you know, I, I, like there's something better about being you know, trodden under. Uh, so what's, so what's that a away. psychic vampire? Oh, yeah, that's the next part. A psychic vampire is somebody who tries to prey on your emotions so that you give them things that they don't deserve. Mm. Uh, it could be somebody who would, you know, brings a box of candy that you don't like and then expects you to suddenly do things for them like, oh, I, get, I gave you that, so now you owe me. Uh, so a psychic vampire is, is basically, it's not some kind of mystical thing or some energy sucker or some science fiction nonsense or supernatural nonsense. It's basically someone who would prey off your emotions often by giving you stuff that's valueless to make you feel guilty and obligated to doing things for them that they actually want done. Wow, yeah, that's good. And you, there's a lot of those, I'm a sure. A lot you of know. those. Uh, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better but more often worse than those that walk on all fours. 
who, because of his divine spiritual and intellectual development, and that's in quotation marks, has become the most vicious animal of all. And, and that basically means theism and spiritualism because of these, these crazy ideals that are not tied into reality and how people behave allows people to be horrible to each other. You know, look at the Crusades and look at the Inquisition and look at you know, Ireland where we have two Christian sects fighting in, against each other. We just Theism always leads to people torturing each other because one side thinks they have the real answer and they feel they have to force it on everybody else. If people would just be like animals and follow their nature instead of this sort of theism uh, patinaed behavior of, of, of xenophobia that is uh, part of parcel of our society for thousands of years uh, that we are finally getting away from on some levels, uh, that uh, man could actually be better <laughs> and, and move forward. But uh, we don't have high hopes for that, uh, especially when you turn the news on every day. Yeah. Uh, and then the eighth is Satan represents all of the so-called sins. They all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. And that goes back to the good old seven deadly sins, you know, lusts and, and anger and sloth and all those good things. And what it basically means is if you, if you indulge in those moderately, they kind of balance themselves so that they end up being something good for you. Uh, so you don't have to feel that these are some such terrible things that, that you're going to go to hell for. Uh, you know, if you, if you if you overindulge with gluttony, uh, the vanity part will get you to go to the gym and work out. Uh, <laughs> if you're too slothful, it's like, hey, you get your rest, but then you'll get back up and do more things. So they, they end up being kind of these fun little guidelines rather than horrible things that one must must oppose. Hmm. So that's what he, he was tying in. Uh, there's it really meant the seven deadly sins, not not everything. There's so many sins that the, the Christians come up Hundreds. with. Hundreds. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like it's really goes more back to them. Uh, and then finally, a statement of what we think is true. Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. <laughs> and that's the whole point. Most religions need a scapegoat. They have to tell you because they've got an unnatural philosophy. And they you know, tell you, you know, how to control your sexuality and how to control your behavior. The only way they could get you to do that is by saying there's this guy with his horns and a tail who wants to steal your immortal soul, which, of course, they can't prove that you actually have one. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they tell you you do. And this baddie's after it. So if you don't behave and you don't do these things we tell you to do, if you don't come to the church and pay your tithes, if you don't use the missionary position, and, <laughs> oh, my goodness, if you do something with somebody of the same sex, <gasps> Satan got you. You don't want to lick an asshole. Then you'd be really screwed. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically oh, what I, you're saying. That, that basically <laughs> would send you straight to hell, I'm sure. <laughs> Unless the Catholic priest is doing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It seems to be something that they've at least had to pay a lot of money out for. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm pretty sold. Yeah. <laughs> and so now I just want to know, how do I join this thing? So can well, you give people, us a little advice on that? Yeah, well, anybody who reads the literature, and I basically suggest that they read the Satanic Bible and then read my book, The Satanic Scriptures, because it talks more about the organization itself in more detail. And if you feel that you want to be part of it, it's simple. It's just $200 for a lifetime membership. And uh, most religions tithe people. They take a percentage. And we're like, look, here's your initiation fee. It's got to be big enough so just not everybody does it because we want to have a little bit of a buffer. It has to be a choice. Like, mm -hmm. do you want to buy these really nice shoes or do you want to join the Church of Satan? Or you want to go out to dinner to a really cool place if you want to join the Church of Satan. You know, maybe you do one one week and one the next or one month, depending on what your salary is. But the idea is it just shouldn't be like, click, I'm a member, because then any idiot will. 
And that doesn't mean it's a, it's a commitment or any even thought. And if, if money values keep changing, then the membership fee will go up because it has to be something that has to be a little tug on you. Yeah. So that it's not just like, oh, I don't care. I mean, there's plenty of people. $200 isn't really anything. Uh, but enough people it is, and it's usually the people who would be the ones that we don't want joining uh, because we, we will turn people away too. Uh, when folks approach us and, and they really don't get it, we're just like, keep your money, just go away. We have no interest in you. Uh, we get hundreds of e emails every day, and so many people think that uh, Satan exists and that if they join the Church of Satan, they're going to be wealthy and powerful and have sex with whoever they want to. And we just go, no, it doesn't work that way. Just, you know, even $200, you need a lot more than $200 for that to happen in your life. I've heard you get a pretty cool, like, red card or something, though. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. We give a, it's a red card. It's the same design that's been used since the uh, early part of the organization. We like to keep things kind of traditional. We send out a membership package with the sheets that are in these bright colored paper. Because, again, Anton LaVey did that. And it's just sort of fun uh, to maintain that tradition. And we kind of feel that when you sign your, your registration statement, that you make a little pact with yourself, that your deep mind sits up. Because, again, it's a form of ritual. We think that ritual really is something effective for most people. Uh, that if you do something, it has the sort of deeper psychological resonance. See, by signing your name, putting it on the dotted line, committing yourself to Satanism, that's a, you know, affects you and it makes you think about it. Of course, if you want to leave, it's very easy, too. Uh, you just send the card back and send us a note saying, I'm out of here. <laughs> that's simple. And uh, we're like, okay. And we ask people if they would like to tell us why they've decided to move on that's fine but there's it's not a cult we don't tie people up and browbeat them and you know try to make them stay it's very much uh, it's you're welcome to come you know or go it's it's up to you if this works for you if it's a valuable experience to you if it if it enhances your life and it really it should be something enhancing your life because that's what satanism is all about then you're welcome here nice Nice. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming on today and talking to us. It's been very educational and yeah. it's been a great experience. It's been great. Um, is there any way that people can reach out to you via social media? What's your social media thing like? Well, we have, uh, we have a, I mentioned before, the uh, unofficial uh, group on Facebook that people can go to. If you go to our news feed, we have a, a Tumblr and Twitter. That's sort of the same stuff goes across those of what's going on. Okay. So people can do that. And once you become a member, we have a private group that people interact in. Okay. And we're also working on some other very interesting things on that that I can't quite go into right now. That All might right. be nice. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, um, and uh, have a great afternoon. Yeah, thank you so much. You too. I wish you both well. Have abundant joy in all that you do. Thank you. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Thank you for listening to the Evil Twin Podcast. To get the full Evil Twin experience, go to eviltwinpodcast.com and follow the guys on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Evil Twin Podcast. If you really want to show your support, please subscribe, rate, and review our podcasts on iTunes. And remember, first of all, are you man? Well, it's a good man. First, no more, it's